Hey. Help a punk rock robot out. Scratch my itch by hitting that subscribe button. Go ahead, I'll wait. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 20. In this episode, three punks do magic mushrooms. While the other three punks observe, three go on a voyage of sorts, while three do some trip sitting. Curious as to why? You, you're listening to Punk Theology. Punk this is a test. This is only a test. Officially on the air, as John crosses himself, <laughs> and we uh, we enter into the uh, the dojo. Is that what this is? Derek called yeah, it a studio, but he emphasized it in all caps. Studio. screaming it at me. It's not a fucking shed. John called it the shed. <laughs> Steve and I called it the shack. <laughs> is it the, yeah. the woodshed? It's the shack. It's the shack. It's a metaphor for the human heart. What are we talking about, Russ? Arthur's gonna uh, You know, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. I don't know. That's just the that's just the bumper music. Arthur, you had a great. Uh, you were just saying some really interesting stuff before we started recording. Uh, where where did you want to go with this topic? What are you thinking? All right, so I wanted to introduce this topic. I don't know if I wanted to, but I got voted nominated. Uh, <laughs> but it requires a little intro, right? The topic is psychedelic mushrooms. Culturally, uh, there are a few places in the United States that are currently voting to decriminalize or legalize uh, magic mushrooms. Uh, Oregon and Denver. Oregon and the city of Denver, yep. Uh, California's been bantering it around too, although it hasn't officially made it to to ballot yet. Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, has uh, sold wild numbers of copies where he explains his view and his research over the course of, well, the better part of a decade into uh, the psychedelic experience. And uh, historically, uh, psychedelics made a huge uh, growth in the United States in terms of popularity and uh, had a ton of research potential going on. And then, and then everybody got really scared and the government shut it down and it's been illegal ever since. Um, in the 1960s, late 60s. But that research has been uh, reopened in a number of facets, uh, both in terms of depression, dealing with uh, terminal <coughs> illnesses, uh, and then also understanding its effect on depression and, and people's uh, mental states. And so a number of us read Michael Pollan's book and enjoyed it and had some innate curiosity 
that continued to grow over the course of last year, which led us to wanting to try it. <laughs> uh, but then that edged into the uh, difficulty of, of finding a good source, and none of us are mycologists. <laughs> so uh, though we live in a state where apparently they are prevalent, we don't know how to find them. Uh, <laughs> But I know how to find them. We just got to go pick them at a certain time. We were, we were intrigued by the, um, by the challenging effects on one's psyche and the exploration of uh, healing that can happen uh, in terms of emotional baggage and pain and exploring uh, one's consciousness. And there's a whole lot of science that I'm completely geeked out about about the blocking of default pathways that give you. Uh, in your brain, which are like super highways for your thought, which then help you see things in your life from alternate viewpoints, uh, which is an incredibly fascinating uh, effect of the drug. Um, and so we wanted to kind of explore that. And so uh, three of you guys did. Three of us. Three of the six. Three of three of the six punks were That's committed right. to this. Uh, and so. I was able to find a source, and we had a weekend where we tried it out last fall. And so we're going to describe uh, the impact that experience had on us. It is uh, not at least my intention to go into the details of uh, all of the details of what that trip entailed. This is not a, a show where we're just going to gush about how great drugs feel. Um, <laughs> well, there's certainly an element of that, but uh, our intention in doing this was to, uh, as Michael Pollan put it, shake our snow globe and uh, examine ourselves and where we're at. And so um, we all, those of us who partook, uh, chose different doses. And so that led us to somewhat different experiences because the dosage significantly alters the uh, degree to which you experience uh, the mushroom trip, and that will probably become apparent along this description. Well, wait, when you said shaking the snow globe, I don't think that Michael Pollan's analogy can be understated enough about uh, where one goes through life and say like your brain is like a, like a ski, <coughs> uh, like a mountain where people ski on it, and invariably over time, the skis imprint in the snow. Dig a trench. Dig a trench, which is like your narrow yeah, pathways. Yeah. And what these drugs can do is when you shake the snow globe, as it were, it gives you a fresh dusting of powder to kind of maybe mm -hmm. redirect some of those paths, some of those grooves. So that was one of the one of the things that I thought was a good analogy in terms of my intention, right, anyway, right. or curiosity. And that's what you guys talked about was intention, and, and Arthur did a bigger dose. You guys did a smaller dose. I did a medium. Yeah. Derek did a small that impacted him like a large. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you guys got some good shit because I've you know I've done mushrooms. I've probably tripped not just mushrooms but acid. And when I was young, you know, eighteen, nineteen, uh, every fall from probably sixteen to nineteen, we would go mushroom hunting, and and I've tripped balls. A number of times. So I guess my, where I go with it, and you guys probably know a lot more. I, well, you do. I'll say that. You know a lot more of the medical journalistic kind of findings Research, on it throughout the years. This was 30 years ago for me. But I guess where I'm at today, I'm not even really that curious about it just because 
what if you're just fucking high, man? Like, what if, you know, like, there's a lot of ways to, to, to shake the snow globe. I mean, you talk about EMDA, uh, ecstasy, and uh, this is a trip. So well, I think it's, it's a take little different. Some time to answer that question. That one might. Yeah, and that's what I'm end. curious. That's why I wanted to, at the end to throw this out there. Yeah, because uh, I'm the 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 old man going. Hey, your kids are just high on dope. <laughs> but I don't want to come off as that either. Like I do, you know, I, I'm I'm intellectually honest enough to say that. Yeah, there's some really smart people that say there's some benefits. So I find myself with mixed feelings to your. Sort of engaging it that way, and I always have. Yeah, and quite frankly, it used to annoy me. Right. Like, like Russ, intention's important. It's not like you know, or party drugs. It's not. Yeah, Russ, we're not like twenty years old, taking twenty grams of shrooms, getting blowjobs in the backseat of your Camaro. And oh, I was not interested in sex or, or mushrooms. Yeah, well, I don't think you could be, honestly. But all right. But but, yeah. but then there is an element of that's true. You are. You, you're tripping balls. You're on drugs, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I can set all the intentions I want, but oftentimes in high doses, as I kind of observed Arthur uh, having his experience, is you're basically strapping yourself onto a rocket ship. So if you take a large dose, right. you're going on a rocket ship somewhere, no matter what your intention is, maybe. So yeah. I have mixed feelings about your question. One of the things you shared earlier today, you shared a meme, which I thought was pretty funny, about some ancient Persians and <laughs> how they would make decisions, you know, and policy and shit like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's an intention, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that It's was drinking funny. alcohol, but it's the same. You're, you take an intention, like, hey, this is a good idea. Maybe we should pass a law. No, let's get really drunk first and have the... Bo- so if, if, if the sober people in the group decided it's cool, and then they got really drunk, and they still decided it was cool to pass this... This law or whatever. This was in, in so the ancient. That's Persian, an intention. In, in the ancient Persian Empire, men used to debate ideas twice: once sober and once drunk, right. because the idea had to sound good in both states in order to be considered a good idea, <laughs> right. which isn't bad. I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Joke. But it reminded so, me of your, of intention. It so reminded me of intention. Now. So Derek has the so Derek, Derek has the stick. stick. Okay. I'm going to ask you to cover the importance of set and setting and uh-huh. caution in that approach yeah because I that's mean, part of the intro that needs to happen too yeah i think so if you guys are okay i'll just kind of lay out what, what happened yeah because i think go yeah. context is needed yeah so <clears throat> i got a little bit of a cold so hopefully i don't uh lose my voice so we had this trip planned uh it was at my wife's grandmother's place up on Whidbey island uh and uh uh the six of us went up just for a weekend. Uh, we had talked about beforehand doing this. Uh, I, at the time, was debating whether or not to let my wife in on whether I was going to do it. <laughs> and decided in the end that she probably just wouldn't understand. Uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness yes, than permission. Yes, I mean, it definitely came up, which actually came up oh, dear God. strongly in the, in, the, in the theme of the trip. So I, what happened was I took... Yeah, like I took a small dose, John took a medium dose, and Arthur took a very large, what turned out to be a very large dose, (laughs) in that the mushrooms were stronger than than we had anticipated. Um, So in terms of like what I experienced, uh, I'll just go through my experience and maybe you guys can talk about yours a little bit. The first 45 minutes were really, really great. It felt um, really cool. I felt, honestly, it felt like I was 
like driving somebody else's body and just kind of observing things through their eyes. And it was really fun to just walk around and explore things. It felt like I was seeing everything new for the first time. Uh, like I was on a different planet. Um, I was really happy. Uh, it was really nice. There wasn't any much that was challenging in that first 45 minutes. Uh, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, and, but I was just kind of playing and rolling with the punches. Um, the And then Chuck, Russ, and Steve were up kind of watching us just to make sure that that uh, things were going okay. And I went... <coughs> our trip sitters. Yes, our trip sitters. Yeah. And I went and hung out with them a little bit, and that was not as good for me. And I noticed that right away because I was very aware of the fact that I felt like I was inconveniencing them. And that was like, and that's something that I've come back to since in therapy. Uh, the, the cool thing about the mushrooms is it really put a ton of momentum behind my desire to go get treatment and seek therapy. Mm. And, and almost immediately after uh, this happened, uh, I went and found a really good therapist and I've been really happy with the results. And part of- Your quote that night was inspiring. What did I say? I don't remember. You said that was the best fifteen dollars of therapy I've ever spent, <laughs> <laughs> and that and it and it and that's the best way that I can put it is momentum. Like I felt like I was, like pushed into a fast channel on a stream, and like there's just like okay, like I fast know channel of what of a uh, in a direction of like okay, I've got I was given vision of a bunch of shit that I repressed and not really felt very strongly. And those feelings came in on full blast and left me with a feeling of, I've got, I've got to figure that out. Mm. Uh, that's not, it's not, it left me, it gave me a view of like, it's not okay that those are repressed. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and left me with a lot of hope that those things can be healed, actually. Because mm-hmm. um, I felt some, I felt stuff move. Uh, doing EMDR since, uh, it's like a, it's like AMDR, but it's it's gonna work and it's gonna force you into stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of this raw, uncontrolled version of EMDR, yeah. and things are going to happen, um, and you're going to address whatever is in front of you because you don't have a choice. And we're in EMDR, you can kind of pull a stick back if you need to, and this was there wasn't any stick there available. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I was so I was just noticing uh, how much it bothered me that these three. That if, that I felt like I was being such an inconvenience to them, mm. which is a thing that's come up. Uh, and then in the meantime, I was kind of in and out of the house, walking around, still really enjoying exploring. And then Arthur's trip kicked in, and Arthur got hit really hard by these mushrooms uh, and basically lost himself <laughs> uh, at, to the point that he was in the backyard of this place uh, scream giggling I think is probably the best way to put it jumping up and down as hard as he could (laughs) and and laughing really 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 loud maniacally is the word that I felt maniacally is a good even that maniacally might be a little understated (laughs) it was yeah very loud and very intense for he left what for 45 minutes an hour Yeah, really loud I only know that because you guys told me that's how long it lasted and then so, and that kind of started to bother me a little bit. 
Uh, because we were on because we were your family property with neighbors family property and there were neighbors there there weren't a lot of neighbors but there were definitely neighbors two German shepherds next door <laughs> two German shepherds next door we're going they were far away to be fair well, <laughs> well they, to be fair loud, to be my fair. wife says <laughs> they often just go on barking rants so uh, it wasn't that big of a deal okay but we don't know that right <laughs> yeah. I never heard them so yeah. I'm sitting there I went back and was hanging out with the guys we were kind of trying to figure out if this was going to be a problem that Arthur was so loud or whatnot. And then uh, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I heard this voice behind me, uh, this female voice asking if we're okay. And uh, <laughs> I and I these people around, roll up, kind of look like hippies, and I'm like, oh shit! Turn around and realize it's neighbors. The, it's the neighbors right next to us, and uh, they don't realize that my grandmother's or my grandmother-in-law's not there, and uh, and they're in checking on her and they see six guys sitting around a fireplace instead. Well, and five? Yeah, five guys and one guy very obviously struggling. And Russ did a pretty good job of kind of taking over and intercepting her. Yeah. And it sounds like I... That's one of the first things she said. Is he having a bad trip? No, I said he's having a fine trip. <laughs> yeah. His trip is okay. Uh, he, he'll be all right. And I, like... I kind of freaked out internally, and I had a hoodie on. I put my hoodie up over my head and was trying as hard as I could just to make reality go away. Because this was not something. This was kind of like the culmination of my greatest fear of everything that was going to happen. Right. Uh, and so, and then, so you look like a guy that just got caught masturbating in high school. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it felt like that. <laughs> by the neighbor. <laughs> by the neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and. Uh, so she left, and I started, and then all of a sudden my ego rushed back in. Mm. And where I was in a place where I was free and happy and explorative and childlike, all of a sudden the, oh shit, there's real world consequences to this came in, and it hit me really, really hard. And I went out, and I was just kind of leaning against this rock, like swimming, not able to put things together very well, but knew that this was really bad. Right. This is not a good thing. And then... Had was listening to music at the time. Had my uh, my headphones in and was leaning on the rock and accidentally pocket dialed my wife. Is that what happened? I she called you. No, I pocket dialed her. Oh wow! At the same time as my grandma, who or grandmother-in-law, who was with my wife, got a call from the neighbor. Right. And I was. This was her place. Yes. She gets a call. She's with Misha. Yeah. So basically, it worked out as bad, like movie bad. Like, like movie script as bad as right. it possibly could go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I am, like, not in a place of competency at all. Uh, you can't write this stuff. No, yeah, no, it was awful. Stranger than fiction. Yeah, and, and so I, I basically, like, I, Misha, my wife picked up pretty quick that, like, something weird was going on. And, and then I you was, handed the phone to and, me. Yeah, and I handed the phone to Russ. I was like, uh, I can't talk about this. Russ is going to have to talk to you. Yeah. And that's like a dead giveaway of like, okay, something fucked up's going on. <laughs> so then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just coming clean. So I took the phone and I said, like, like we all had a little bit of mushrooms. Mush Arthur got a little bit more than a little bit of mushrooms. Uh, we've got it under control. we got three people watching. Uh, but, but, yeah, and then, and like... It took me to a really, really dark place. Really, really dark. I was very convinced that my marriage is over. Wow. That I totally fucked this this all up. That uh, that this was a huge betrayal of trust. Uh, that and and 
Yeah, and I honestly haven't felt that. Like, it took me back to, like, six, seven years old, getting caught by my mother doing something terrible. That type, that level of shame. Right. Mm -hmm. And that level of out of control. And, like, and I'm just, just, you know, like, what a piece of shit I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I fucked this. And I felt it on a level that I don't think I've ever felt anything before. Really deep. Um, and uh, so and I went... Uh, Russ was there with me. I knew Chuck had gone through his RTT thing. Yeah. And for some reason I was able to pick up on the idea that Chuck kind of probably knows what this is like. Just mm -hmm. based on like where I was and Chuck's explanation of where he was when he did mm -hmm. White Raven. So I said, hey Russ, can you go get Chuck? And so Chuck came out and we just yeah. spent some time not really talking, just hanging out. So I went and we sat by the fire. <laughs> and I was in a really bad spot mentally. And just to clarify, White Raven doesn't include no, they don't hallucinogens they don't, or anything. But it's it's very EMDR like therapy. Yeah, it's like very very, very much it's like intense EMDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really intense. They'll they'll bring about altered states through breathing exercises. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, meditation. But, uh, but there's no drugs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so right, and so Chuck and I just sat and uh, and I honestly don't remember. I asked Chuck some really. Pertinent. I told him how I was feeling, and he asked some really pertinent questions. And I don't even remember what they were. I'm kind of bummed that Chuck's not here, but yeah, uh, Chuck's not here. But uh, uh, he was really good at just sitting with me and helping mm -hmm. me work Who was? through it. I was really impressed with that. I told him that too. I said, "Chuck, you're really good at this." <laughs> and I could tell, and it became apparent as he was, as I was sitting there, like how much of this he had ever previously experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of got an awareness of like, wow, like, like you kind of know what this is about. And he's mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, I do." And so, and so at some point I realized like I was just spiraling mentally and I was going into a really dark place. And I said, like, look, I'm not going to waste this experience. I'm going to make a turn and I'm going to choose to make this as productive as possible instead of going as dark as possible. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, my goal in this was to try and shed my ego as much as I could and do some deep exploration. So I spent some time with Chuck just breathing and trying to push up against what I felt like the edge of my ego was. And I felt I got this very strong image of like this impenetrable wall that I was like shoving my face into and getting my face kind of close to through the wall, but then I would bounce back off. And I would do that over and over and over again. And I finally kind of lapsed into this place of like I just I can't do it. I'm not I, I'm not capable of losing myself like I like I expected to lose myself. And I was a little frustrated there. So then I just spent some time sitting and breathing. The visual started to kick in really strong. Uh, I was really doing some self-searching and some self-exploration. I got this very strong visual of, uh, it was a jaguar head. It looked kind of like the Transformers symbol. And it was spinning, it was purple and black. And then it turned into a tiger, which was uh, um, orange and yellow and black and then it turned into this house cat that I was just trying to chase down <laughs> and then all of a sudden it opened up into this scenario uh, and and in front of me was this little kid he was probably five or six years old and he was totally feral he was dirty and long hair uh, long nails just covered in dirt uh, Mowgli from the Jungle Book yeah exactly Mowgli from the Jungle Book was kind of what he looked like and he looked up and I looked at him and he met my eyes and uh, and I recognized that he was me, 
And he looked at me with this just unbelievable face of disgust and disappointment and then turned and ran. And I scrambled really hard and was yelling after him, trying to get him to come back to me, mm. trying to get him to engage with me, and he was way too fast and disappeared. Um, and so then, then I just fell into this exhaustion. I told Chuck I was going to go lay down. And I went and laid down, and it was a very interesting moment in that I was in so much discomfort that I thought, if only, like, this is one of those moments where I wish I could just be unconscious. Mm. And I sat, and I just kind of let myself go, and then I did go unconscious. And I lost, Chuck says it's between 40 minutes and an hour, maybe, uh, where, like, I just didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, stuff started to come back to me, and it was that was a really weird sensation. <coughs> that I felt like I had to rebuild my human experience from some very thin scraps. Mm. Uh, and, and human customs didn't feel like they made sense. Uh, and the way the world worked didn't seem to make sense, and and everything is just kind of silly. Uh, felt like maybe like an alien coming back to, coming into human existence and trying to make sense of things, and just yeah. feeling like this is all very silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that we think are important are not mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. important at all. Um, and then I went and uh, finally kind of came to myself, went and talked to Chuck. Uh, Chuck asked if I was okay, and I told him, asked me if I needed anything. I told him I needed a bath. And he said, okay, and he kind of looked at me for a second, and I said, I don't know what a bath is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to have you make it for me. So we went and drew me a bath, and that's kind of how far gone I was. Uh, and then spent the rest of the evening just kind of coming to, trying to assess what things were, how things were. But it was really left with, it was like a manifesto, like, a, like an urgency of, you've got, I, of really coming to grips with all this stuff all these really negative feelings, all this really latent, repressed stuff that I was dealing with, mostly with my relationship with the most important people to me around me, and some of the really insecure right. things that I had in there. And, and The world is over, kind of. Yeah, I think I told John on the next day, like, I gotta go find a therapist mm-hmm. now, like now. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's where, I, that's how I ended up doing EMDR. Uh, and it's been, yeah, I was. I had always planned on doing EMDR, but I didn't have. I was kind, of, you know, just kind of casually taking it, and right. didn't you know, really the have. Motivation a, I didn't have a reason yeah. or a need to get into it, and didn't have a target, and and so I think the thing I got most from this was some very strong targets, and and being what three four months removed, uh, it's really encouraging seeing, uh, feeling like I've moved some of those targets, and some mm. of them fairly significantly. Right. Uh, the one thing I will say is like. That's a fucking drug. <laughs> like that's yeah. real drugs. And like John and I had this conversation, like like I don't think you can be younger than thirty and really use that like it's meant to be used. In Michael Pollan's book he suggests what mid thirties to forties should be the time that if you're gonna do a psychedelic, wait till midlife kind of. Oh, yeah. It's not for kids. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think I agree with I don't that. think Yeah. I don't I don't think the kid has a context or the perspective. To be able to find that useful, they might find it fun and interesting and kind of silly or a way to alter their state. But in terms of being useful, I had a weird adventures with it. 
and some of them I can't remember, but some <coughs> some of them I do, some of them I can't escape from. But I think that S Steve also, I think Steve's story was interesting when the people showed up. Like Steve got really scared. Remember? Well, like, oh shit, are the cops coming? I'll touch on that. That's part of John's story. Yeah, that's part of John's story. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of what Derek says resonates and is similar to some of actually a lot of my experience was going in with the intention of finding some some healing and exploring just my consciousness and you know what's going on and, and why do I struggle with the things I struggle with and can I get some clarity or some perspective uh, I, I was doing therapy I, I have been in therapy and it's something I talk to my therapist about who she's pretty open-minded and you know I'm not going to just get high with my friends like no this is I'm seeing this as interior You're work. Seeking it as interior work. Yeah, okay. and, and for healing is really the intention going into it. Um, and uh, and I had her support and encouragement. Actually, like we worked on it some and talked about it some in, in the weeks preceding uh, or leading up to it. And uh, I, <laughs> it, it was it was a challenge to to put it mildly for me. I went in with a lot of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Help me out, Arthur. <laughs> Animosity. Well, expectation, <laughs> expectation, excitement, but also fear, I think. You um, also had a plan. Yeah, I had too much of an agenda, maybe. Definitely I, I think, an agenda. I, I, I think I was... In, so, so, how much were you going to take versus well, that, yeah, So, So, that's the thing with, with me, is, is I decided to do two and a half grams of psilocybin, uh, dried psilocybin mushrooms, and what's considered a, a high dose, a heavy dose, is typically five, maybe four or five. Two to three is kind of that mid-range. Less than two is kind of considered a, a small dose. Kind of like a, you know, <coughs> listen to music, watch pretty colors and dance and laugh is like, you know, one gram. So I did two and a half. And my approach was to see how I did on two and a half grams in about an hour in, maybe re-up and take a booster of another two grams. That was my plan. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so there's several things I, I would say in terms of my approach was, um, I think that maybe the thought or the hope that I could <coughs> tolerate more was a little, like I shouldn't have done that. I should have just been fine with two, two and a half, and that's it, that's all I'm doing. But no, I wanted to go in. I really wanted to get in there. I really wanted to experience that ego death and reset my default mode network and blah, blah. You know, I really wanted to go in heavy. But going in at two and a half is like, oh, shit. I think I'm good. That's that's just fine. Uh, but I did have that kind of back and forth with, with my brain, though. Like, it, it, in two and a half grams an hour in, Arthur comes in the room. He He's starting to lift off. He's like, hey, if you want that booster, now's the time to do it. I'm like, I don't think I can. But even after he left the room, I still went back and forth. And I was, I, I just, is I was going into it, like there's this kind of indecisive, insecure little kid coming out of what do I do? Tell me what to do. I, I don't know what to do. Like, like I don't have the interior wisdom or resources to make this decision for myself. I need someone else to do it for me. And that's really what was coming up, like just on the onset. It was just um, a lot of insecurity and a lot of indecisiveness. And a lot of judgment, you know, because I, I look out, because I, I situated myself in this room by myself. I kind of wanted to be alone when it was coming up. And I, I, you know, stick my head outside and Arthur is hooting and hollering like he's on a roller coaster. And, I, and I, I start to judge myself like, fuck, why can't I have fun? Why can't I just let loose? Why can't I just enjoy this? Right. And that's just the way my interior dialogue's going. A lot of shooting, odding and... 
And, but at some uh, point, you let go, though, right? Well, so so yeah, that 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 was part of it for me. Was was it was just I felt horrible. I felt mm. just horrible. I was kind of battling a cold. Um, I just didn't feel well. Uh, I, I had again, like with that insecure. Uh, questioning, am I doing it right? Sort of thing that was coming up from my from my personality and just kind of being magnified. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm not on shrooms right now. <laughs> um, uh, it, I, but a switch. Well, that er, that early point. struggle that you had. Yeah, that early. There's struggle. early struggle. To, to I mean, because the guiding principle of mushrooms is to let go. Let go. Just, yeah, and, and it makes you let it. go. And I well, finally, I, I got to a place. At a point. on the dosing. <laughs> yeah, I got to a place where where I was like, look, this is what you're doing. This is this is the amount that you're doing. You're not going to do any more. So that's it. Okay, that decision's made. Okay. Boom, move on. And then. I just had like this weird thought. It's kind of like a like a druggy thought in retrospect. But like I'm laying on this couch. I'm like, I want to lay on the floor. And yeah. like, why don't you lay on the floor? I don't know. But laying on the floor sounds good. Like, well, why won't you do it? Is it your ego stopping you? Like, okay, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm having this interior dialogue with myself again. It sounds like kind of like a total druggy. And thing. I was watching this. Yeah. Oh, you were. I saw you. And. Uh, and so I hit the floor. Yeah. I just, I, I did. I just hit the floor. And as I hit the floor, I get this like, oh, fuck, the floor's so cold. Why am I on the floor? I just could not get comfortable. And then I started just wow. going into it. Like, okay, you're not comfortable. Go yeah. into that. Yeah. Go into that. You're not comfortable. You're cold. And I just did. I just went into it and it just loosened up. And I just started laughing hysterically. Yeah. It just switched. Like, it just took a turn where it was, like, kind of dark and insecure and horrible. And I'm just, like, laughing at myself. Like, I'm sitting here. Like, I'm laying on the floor laughing. I'm on drugs. I'm with my friends. This is nuts. Like, like I'm, you know, what the fuck am I doing? I was laughing hysterically. And that took a really beautiful turn. And it was light and wonderful. And uh, you, know, you guys came in. You're laughing at me. And I'm laughing. And it, it was just sweet. It was just, like, this sweet kind of cathartic laughter right uh so some time goes by i don't know how much but but then i i decide to go outside and i go outside arthur is rolling around laughing like a freak derek has this horrified look on his face <laughs> and you guys like come at me and i could tell you're trying to protect me from something and that's one of the weird things i experienced with the psilocybin is it's like you have this hyper awareness yeah, for sure and it's like like, I know you're talking to me like I'm high, and I am, but I see what you're doing. You're talking to me like I'm high. Like, I can pick up on all the little cues, all the little body language things. As I'm if like, you can't understand. Right, as if I can't understand. Yeah. But it's true, I'm high, but yet I'm picking up on all these little kind of idiosyncrasies. And But it's not dumb like alcohol. No, not at yeah. all. It's, it's like sharp. The, it's, it's like the opposite of being autistic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> Where you're just picking up on every single every facial little cue. Yeah, and uh, overloaded on. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I could tell they were trying to protect me uh, for, from something. And and you know, finally, you know, they break it to me like yeah, Derek's having a hard time. And he, uh, you know, some people came to check on his grandma-in-law. He's talked to his wife, and you know, he's having a hard time with it. And uh, okay, so we're just going to keep you away from Derek. I'm like, well, you guys need to rein Arthur in, is what I'm saying. Like because he's like. He's going nuts, yes. and he's fucking loud, and you guys need to get some control over him. Because keep in mind, like, I again, I was probably the one that was the most 
quote prepared. I had read the most books, listened to the most podcasts and lectures, and I, I just came in like, hey, let's. this is how you have a good trip. This is how you do set and setting. This is how you guys trip sit. And I'm like, okay, you guys aren't trip sitting right. You gotta <laughs> fucking rein him in, because here's why, is the fucking cops are gonna come, and, 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 and we could get busted for like felony drug possession. As I say that, a light bulb goes off in Steve's head. I can see it in his eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this horrified look on his face. Like, oh shit, he might be right. Like, he might be right. like, like I'm speaking truth. What were yeah. you thinking there? I had not even thought about that until you said that. And I went zero to 150 immediately. We are going to jail. And I'm trying to think, okay, how can I get out of here? I'm out of coffee. I gotta run out. I'm gonna see ya. I'm gonna. We gotta go get some more beer. Any reason to get out? Yeah. And that, in a sense, is is my. That's the way I've always operated. Kind of takeaway, right? Get out of trouble. Yeah. Don't get in trouble. Yeah, don't get in trouble. But if there's trouble on the horizon, get get out out of it any way you can. And uh, And I'm like, Steve, come on. It's like. It's mushrooms. We we've decriminalized drugs in this. But but, but that sort of set up. <laughs> I was getting in trouble. That exchange <laughs> with with Steve and that concern about Arthur, kind of set the trajectory for a lot of the rest of it for me. Was it was just showing me my need for control, my need to control things, and how I couldn't, and how I just I have absolutely no control over this situation. Mm-hmm. Nor was I going to have control <laughs> over this situation. And it was just that's it. You're here. This is going to be the next three, four hours. This is your day. You're high. Your two other buddies are high. Your, your, your buddy down there at the hill's really freaking out. You better hope that your friends can rein them in. You're not going to do it. You got to trust yourself to the care of your friends. And, and I'm like, well, fuck, why aren't they better trip sitters? Why aren't they more prepared? Like, they're here for you. They love you. They came here for you. They're not perfect, but they love you. And that's just kind of what it was showing me. It's like, it's like, it's not perfect, but it's love. And it's human, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And you might go to jail, and whatever. You get a slap on the wrist, you you know, you'll be okay. Like, I'm, I'm having this dialogue with myself. It's like, you have no control, so just go with it. Yeah, yeah so what? You get arrested. So what? You go to jail. You know, as, what, what can you do to stop it? You're not going to stop it. And that's, that's the way a lot of it was, was like, um, from there on out, was like making peace with something, breathing into it, like, okay, okay, I'm all right, I'm all right. And then something else comes up, like, ah, control. Okay, I don't have control over that. Okay, relax into it. And it was just kind of that back and forth, back and forth, like showing me my need to control things and my, and just the lack of control that I have. Um, it's curious to me that, like, Derek describes a wall. I very much came up to a wall. My experience wasn't as visual, but I had this palpable sense of like this what I can only describe as like this wall of death maybe it's ego death maybe it's like the way I imagine death to be um, and I didn't go over the wall but I I just saw it kind of just encroaching on me like that's what death feels like and mm-hmm. I've, I've had death in my life and I've had a lot of death in my life and a lot of grief in my life I think it was just showing me that like hey again you don't have control over it everyone is going over that wall whether you like it or not you're going over that wall someday. Everyone's going over that wall someday. That's what it is to be human. And just coming up to that wall was, was just, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Like words can't describe it. Um, uh, just had some like acceptance of just the love in my life. I definitely had kind of some of those moments of feeling connected 
Um, one thing Arthur and I have talked a lot about is, is one of the things people can often come back with that's uniform across the board. Like you might come back questioning uh, your beliefs or dogma or, or, or your role in life, but, but, but by and large people will often come back feeling a sense of connectedness <coughs> with their relationships and realizing that it's love that matters. I remember you had a lot of gratitude. Do you remember having a conversation? Gratitude. Yeah, we had a good conversation, conversation while yeah. you were on the bed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was beautiful. You kept calling me Rush Shah. I, <laughs> I did. It was funny. I did. <laughs> you know Rush Shah. I have a pretty good life, Rush Shah. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I had that experience. Of, I'm here. I got letters after my name. And I was laughing at that. <laughs> yeah, which, that was absurd, uh, which is funny the, to me. There, there was this absurdity about... Like, like Derek touched on that of, of um, having a career, taking myself seriously, having a job, just it was hysterical. Um, I also came back with kind of this, or I, I remember having this sense of like being dogmatic about anything just seemed ridiculous. I really came to see like um, what I can only describe as my creatureliness as a human being, mm. as a as an ape, you know. But like a like a conscious ape, you know, like you have that kind of divine light of consciousness in you as a as a human. Yeah. But yet you You're in the spirit world, motherfucker. But you're an ape too. Like 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 you're <laughs> right. you're both. Yeah. You, you are. You're a primate, but you're also you but you're a lot more too. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get that non-dual, non-binary thing happening. That really was was interesting. I had a lot of that. Mm. Um <laughs> But, uh, but the, what, what I'm describing, I think, are, are the most challenging things. By and large, I think what I came back with is just this idea that you're going to be here for a while. So just get comfortable. You yeah. can't control shit. Uh, Derek came back with the need to, to go into therapy. I came back with like a sense of I've been in therapy for a while. I've been trying to deal with some things. I realize I have some depression, some anxiety that seems to wax and wane, but, but by and large could be under some better control. It's like I need to have some compassion on myself. So I, I actually made the decision to go on some medication, and that's been great. That's just been like one of the better decisions I've made um, late last year, like like after that. That was one of the things that kind of gave me. It's, that's okay. Have some compassion on yourself. Yeah. You know, um, you need don't to write. Straight don't be so <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm straight edge, but, but but no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> there there might be this thing of like. Um, like I need to go at it alone, or it, or it, it needs to hurt for it to be effective, or something. Like maybe something masochistic in me a little bit. Um, mm. uh, so I was coming to grips with some of that. Kind of reminds but, me of our relationship, and when I first <coughs> met you, you were kind of that straight edge metal. You grew up in some of that. You've got tattoos, yeah, that are cool. And, but it was it was always. Like you were kind of into that straight edge thing back in the day, right? Well, when I was a when kid, was a for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably still like the music when you met me. I still like the music. Like, yeah. I, you know, I have an ear for it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's a straight edge thing. It might, quite frankly, be a Protestant thing. Mm. Like, and that, that's one thing. Like, I was sort of questioning was <laughs> was did I have such a challenging time? Because intellectually, and and reasonably, I would tell you that I think it's absolutely fine. For a grown man to explore his consciousness within a certain, you know, realm of safety, within reason, but there was something inside me that maybe felt like I was, um, like, I don't know, like my conscience didn't totally agree with it, or maybe I was kind of going off some path, like straying off into something where I'm flirting with, you know, the unknown, i.e. darkness, or, or whatever kind of thing I've been conditioned to believe yeah. about something that's not on some straight and narrow 
path yeah, of, that you have total control over, right? Or I have all the answers for. And yeah, it, you know, you certainty. Deviate, yeah. yeah, and so I think that, that there was an element of, of that for the way it hit me in terms of its challenge. Um, one thing that I, you know, it's interesting. Like I still get takeaways from it. I still revisit the trip, and I still get takeaways from it. Derek talked about it well in his experience, and again, I, I resonate with a lot of things he said. Um, in essence, what I would summarize from what he said and what my experience is, is it, it, psilocybin gives you a big fucking homework assignment. It's like, here's a bunch of shit to deal with. You know, it's like homework. It, it seems like also in addition to that, though, that I hear from both of you, mm -hmm. it gave you uh, either liberty or license or motivation or remove the block to pursue that. Yeah. Where, like, the resistance that used to exist. Like, you both came out like, oh, I've got... I've got things that need to work on, whether it's you and like trying to be kinder to yourself mm -hmm. or whether it's Derek with the motivation on, oh, this shit's got to get dealt with. It's not okay for it to continue to exist. Like <coughs> it didn't just exist in like what Russ was talking about this. You're just high. It wasn't, it wasn't like something that just existed there. Like it, it persisted yeah, beyond yeah. becoming sober. Oh, yeah. yeah, being just high, quote unquote, would have been great. <laughs> this was like, yeah. a, but it didn't leave you there. No, it, it yeah. Uh, one thing that I came back with that really sucked, and uh, was I probably went through a good what would you say a month to six weeks of just a deep, deep drop into nihilism, and. Maybe that, that was like the depression kind of surfacing. Maybe that was like my ego returning. I just had a fucking free fall into dark, dark nihilism. And I had so much trouble shaking it. It was yeah. so... We talked a lot about that. We did talk. Yeah. It, we talked because my, uh, my takeaway from that was very different than yours. Well, so, I was in the same place. <laughs> so, so one thing I wanted to, to, to say about what you just said about just being high... Um, I think I, I don't want to diminish that because I think that just being high, quote, there's an experience to that that you can't control. Um, and that's part of drug culture, I guess, a little bit. And I'm not saying it's bad or I'm not trying to shit on it. But that's one thing that I, I enjoy about both of you, all three of your guys' experiences that um, belief, belief is sort of a shallow. Uh, replacement for experience mm -hmm. right like you can believe something but until you experience something that pushes the thread of that belief th does that make sense like you you experience something that went yeah. beyond the things that you believed to be you know <clears throat> this is true this is safe this is where I exist you kind of pressed into a, a little deeper thing Belief. Uh, I heard a quote that was really beautiful. That, that belief is a is a is a poor replacement for experience. Oh, without question. Yeah, yeah. experiences. I would say. Yeah. Well, that's where the mystics go. The mystics will say, if you're not experiencing it, you don't have real faith. And to that to that point, one of the scary things. Maybe, not that I'm condoning drug use, but there's an experience that happens with it. Well, that is that is you can't shake. It's it's real. My understanding, and, and I, I was engaging with a lot of stuff, and I was, again, Michael Pollan's book is great. I recommend it to anyone. It's just interesting. Um, it just gives a great history and a lot of good case studies, and, mm -hmm. and he's a respected journalist. He's not some, like, psychonaut, you right, know, right. hippie. Um, he's not... Uh, 
he's not Terrence McKenna or something. You know, he, he, he is. I mean, he, like like he's a legit journalist. Right, Andy Warhol. Um, <coughs> is uh, it was I think showing me one of the scarier things is this is really what's inside your brain. Like this is kind of maybe what you really think. This is what you really believe. This yeah. is what you really need to deal with. Like wow, it's kind of bleak. <laughs> the thing I came back with is that this experience is it's like a filter or like an amplifier. Mm, like, yeah. So it, it turns the volume down on your regular day-to-day experience and what you kind of define reality as, and then it turns the volume up on all that background noise. That's a good way. And, so, and that background noise is absolutely affecting your life, but you just don't get an opportunity to really pull Tap it out into it or and experience it, it and experience it and, yeah. and feel it in its full force with the rest of the stuff turned down. And that's kind of the feeling that I had of like, like there's... And it wasn't lying to me. All that stuff was on the ta- that had always been on the table. So I wasn't seeing something that wasn't there. It's just that some things were highlighted that had previously been camouflaged, and the things that had previously been ha- highlighted were now camouflaged. And so there's kind of like this this bringing forward of things that I had just hadn't really focused on or known about, or and had always been there. And that I think is probably the most valuable aspect of it is pulling things forward. That were there, I just hadn't noticed them before. Mm-hmm. And it gave me some clarity in that same vein of um, realizing that a lot of my, a lot of what I, I struggle with is, is I think, and with, with that free fall into that nihilism that I found myself in, uh, you know, after the trip, was um, just coming to grips with my my grief about the loss of God or the loss of my faith, or at least my previous iteration of it, where I could have answers and explanations and things made sense. Death of certainty. Death of certainty. And and it's like, well, if I don't have that, there's nothing to stand on. Wow, jeez. And, like, and I love my friends, because again, you come back with this sense that like relationships are what matters, love is what yeah. matters, experiences are what matters. Um, but it's like, but all these things in my life are transient. You know, like you have this desire, and maybe it was conditioning me. Maybe it's humans, probably both. But you have this desire for permanence. You know, for 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 things that you can latch onto. As Arthur said to me poignantly, it's like uh, Michael W. Smith was wrong. Maybe friends aren't friends forever. Like, but there's this thing in me that like I want community. I want to know that my friends. Uh, you know, we're going to grow old together or something. We're going to die together. We're going to raise our kids together. But if life has taught me anything, it's that relationships are, are transient, and they, you know, and I had some grief over that because again, I want certainty, right? It's coming, to, it's coming to grips with with things you can't control and things you're not certain over. So that's, and that's a real faith experience because faith lives in that area of uncertainty. I think I had to go through real that. Real faith does. I, I had to go through that. I, I, I call it nihilism. <clears throat> call it the valley of the shadow of death. Call it the dark night. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. It just felt yeah. like shit. Like there's nothing I can really latch onto. I think I had to go through that. Um, so that, that was one of the difficult aspects of it. Yeah. So uh, I want to go through <laughs> what I'm going to talk about. A lot of people speak oddly and, and extremely about psychedelic experiences and read a lot into them. And uh, at my core, I am philosophically a materialist. I think the world is largely what it appears to be. Um, and as an agnostic, I was not expecting to meet God uh, or have any sort of like true spiritual experience. But I, I went in with the expectation that I was playing in my own psyche. And um, by and large, from what I can tell from what John and uh, Derek's experiences were, that's, that's what they experienced. Uh, 
there was nothing new to them or some outside voice. It was yeah. really self-reflection. Yeah. And I think that's important in terms of what I think is valuable about this. Um, I'm open to this experience maybe being different for other people. Uh, but as I will explain, it was not for me, <laughs> uh, no matter how extreme it was. Uh, so upon procurement of said mushrooms, uh, the person who helped me procure them, uh, and I had an initial trip that was not part of this weekend. Uh, that trip for me was a, a two gram trip where we discovered that these mushrooms are uh, very potent uh, in the scale of, of how potent mushrooms can be because there is yeah. a very broad scale of mushroom potency out there. Uh, Just from what Derek experienced, because I've done acid and I've taken three hits of acid and didn't experience what Derek experienced yet. <laughs> on the small amount that Derek had. Like, wow, this is some potent shit. I've talked know? to people who've taken far more in, in dried gram weight than I did and did not come close to what happened to me. Um, but I, in my initial trip was, was two grams. It was in the, the luxury of my own home. Um, and my one big takeaway from the, uh, well, there were two takeaways from that trip. Uh, one was I was impressed with a ridiculously uh, never-ending feedback loop of how blessed my life is. I, it, it was like I was in a concert theater that was being performed telling me your life is good, Arthur, mm -hmm. and you should appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And it was overwhelming and delightful, and I thought if this is what mushroom experiences can be for people, everyone should experience this. It was divine. Um, it was not overly psychedelic. I, I had... Um, Absolutely had visuals. I kept my eyes open most of the time, so I stayed very grounded. Um, uh, there was a period where I was snuggling with my kids, uh, and it was it was just it was just a very fun, good trip. And and the other thing it took away was a deep curiosity because I am a deeply curious person. I needed to know how far the rabbit hole went. Um, and then from that experience. I had spoken with the guys here and we talked about wanting to do this and my ridiculously good experience seemed to inspire them. <laughs> did not seem to uh, get manifest in their experiences quite the same way. It did for the first 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, mine just lasted for like three hours and then I, you know, uh, felt buzzed after that. Um, but the, I mean, the, the, the visuals were strong. Uh, I had trouble, I was kind of wobbly legged. My, my friend could not walk nearly as well as I did. Um, his trip was a little different, but we won't go into that. Um, but for me, it was, it was an amazing experience. So then comes uh, our Whidbey Island. The heroic dose. day. And, uh, and I took five grams that included this one ridiculously fat mushroom, just stupidly large. That's the uh, one that did that, Yeah, I, I kind of blame. Like, <laughs> it's, Jeremy it's, 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 it's kind of, it was kind of personified, and I kind of blame it. Um, a caterpillar sitting on the... I took all five bottom. at once, uh, five grams, and I was I was ready for this. And an energy drink. Don't forget that. Yeah. You lost it down. I lost it down with a fucking rock star. That was what I was more concerned about than the mushrooms as your trip sitter. I'm like, wait, should I have maybe gave Arthur a glass of water? Right I took my blood pressure meds that morning, uh, <laughs> and uh, and it was very soon that I realized how potent this trip was going to be. 
the first time it had taken a good 45 minutes to really start feeling the effects. Um, and I was feeling the effects in 20. Um, <laughs> I was convinced that I was going to have a very introspective trip and I had planned to uh, sit on this nice outdoor lounge chair and look at the <laughs> yeah, sound with that. a very comfortable blanket. A nice yeah. relaxing day. I had my headphones in. I was listening. Uh, I remember you saying that to you. I'm mean, just going to sit here in this chair and I'm like, no, you're not. I was listening to a Purity Ring <laughs> no, album on not. repeat to kind of intro me into that. And... Uh, and as I felt it growing, and I, and I felt, um, as time went on, uh, it, was, it was very good. And I was, I was watching Derek do his little exploration of the property. Um, John was in the other room. And I got to the place where I'm like, oh, I'm really close to like really taking off. Um, and, I'm, and which kind of prompted me to go tell John that if you're going to do your booster, now's the time. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I was very conscious that I was about to lose myself. Um, John's face he, he, he was telling me I'm good and he was trying to reassure me that everything was okay but his face did not tell me that uh, again you pick up signals deeply uh, under the influence of mushrooms and John's body language and face did not communicate that he was okay but um, we have such a good core group that I cannot um, tell you how comfortable I felt uh, being able to walk away from John and not taking responsibility for where he was at um, because I knew I was in no shape to do that. Right. I could tell where I was going was going to be no help to him whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and so I had to let that go immediately, and I did. Um, and then I went and laid back down and pulled my blanket over me, and it was so tactile things are amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, I sat in this chair for a while, and then I couldn't anymore. And I thought I started jumping around and dancing and hooting and hollering for maybe five or ten minutes, but as uh, the testimony has been already tonight, it apparently lasted for a lot longer. Um, that <coughs> is the most blissful experience of my life compared to any, uh, anything else that I have even remotely experienced. Uh, and I have dabbled in a few recreational things that, that a lot of people say are great. Um, but uh, no, no, the intensity was insane. As John described, it was like I was strapped to a rocket. Um, I was giggling maniacally, uh, preparing for it. I was excited. I, I, this is what I wanted to experience. I wanted to know where it went. And um, You also had a death experience, too. Like You felt like you I'm were... getting there. <laughs> uh, and that persisted for a while. And, um, and then I was convinced while jumping around that I was going to die. Um, and I, and I laughed about that. Um, and then at some point, I got really sick. Uh, I finally collapsed uh, on my hands and knees, and I remember um, vomiting um, everything on my stomach, which largely was rock star and mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and at that point, I, I, I got back up a little bit, and I remember losing my headphones, which was almost, like, life-endingly tragic for me at that point, um, because I missed my music, and then, like, quickly let it go. And shortly thereafter, I collapsed on the ground, and I had this sense of inevitability about everything in life at that point. Um, I, I, I was looking at my hands, and I could not tell where the grass and my fingers ended and blended because I had grass on my fingers from bending over and, and throwing up. Um, like my fingers seemed to just merge together, like some weird, like when Neo's face disappears in the Matrix mm. uh, when his mouth closes. Like I had no um, sense 
uh, I was hallucinating heavily. Um, everything was merging together. Um, but I was still here at that point. I was on planet Earth. Um, and I had this huge sense of inevitability that that uh, ecstasy that I had felt on the come up had to be balanced uh, with uh, all, all other possible emotions to their extreme. Mm. And then I proceeded to lay on my back and experience all those. <laughs> um, and it was uh, terrifying. Uh, I, I went through <coughs> periods where I realized that, oh, I get why we try to control this, because um, people are not all ready for this, for yeah. sure. Um, I remembered watching the world make and rebuild and destroy itself over and over, watching civilizations rise and fall. Um, I died uh, repeatedly uh, in, in these visions. Uh, <coughs> I, uh, the most memorable time was floating into the sun, uh, where I felt very, very hot. Um, I think that was somewhat prompted because part of my stomach was exposed and it, the sun was actually out at that oh, time. Oh, interesting. Um, and I ended up with these weird, like, marks on my stomach, like, I don't know, I, I'd hurt myself. And so I think I'd scratched myself jumping around. Maybe I hit a branch or something, I don't know. But anyway, I think that, well, the burning of the scratch also, it, it had helped <laughs> create that illusion. Um, I lived uh, the last uh, years of my grandfather's life. Uh, where he was taking care of my grandmother who had Alzheimer's um, and then he when he was done with that in in life he took his own life in his own backyard uh, and I, I went through that process and and lived it through his eyes and felt great compassion and his loyalty and love for his for his wife and his uh, his contentment with the life that he had lived and 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 felt it in a way that seemed different than I had ever processed before. Um, I had went into this trip after doing a lot of personal processing of traumas that had happened in my life with my family, uh, with my foster care experience, uh, with members of my family who had uh, done horrific things and had been exposed to us. Um, and I had felt like I had got to a very good place with that processing myself. Um, but one of the questions I went into my, my mushroom trip was, had I really done that effectively, or did I need to seek professional help? Mm. Um, and I mentioned that because I want that to be part of my intent that you understand as you hear this story. Um, I proceeded to completely leave this planet uh, for the next four hours, <laughs> uh, though it felt like no time and forever all at once. Mm -hmm. um, I existed in a plane of existence that did not resemble this at all. I floated without a body as pure consciousness, observing um, crazy undulating uh, landscapes uh, that were ever-changing and color-changing. Um, emotions were incredibly intense. Um, I, like John, experienced a feeling of absurdity in, in all of the s social structures, um, but also a sense at the same time of inevitability that it's the only way that humanity could ever make things work. Right. Um, things were very non-dual like that, where I experienced um, contentment and terror simultaneously, <laughs> where I experienced fear and love simultaneously. Like Opposites were constantly bombarding me, and, and I would just sit in 
acceptance and wonder at it. Um, That's such a good way to put it. Uh, it was overwhelmingly powerful, and um, I was somewhat conscious as I would phase in and out of um, <coughs> the little awareness of the real world that I could where I was just clutching the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to be careful not to tear my own fingernails out. I was digging into the dirt so hard trying to ground myself. Uh, yeah. There was there was a resistance that I could not let go of for much of it. As your trip sitter, part of it, I think some of the stomach stuff was like you started rolling back and forth mm-hmm. for a while. And as your trip sitter, I'm sitting there thinking, he's going to dig a trench. Or <laughs> maybe I should move him like a lawnmower, you know, so you get like a even... Um, kind of a <laughs> I, I remember Chuck coming to me at one point and offering me water, and all I felt inside, though it was very difficult to verbalize, was I really wanted to communicate to him that everything was okay because uh-huh. he looked concerned, and it really was okay despite the terror. As I got deeper in and I lost <laughs> abject sense of time, and I thought about how time in at all just absurd. Seemed ridiculously yeah. absurd, there is only <laughs> the moment you're living and everything else is ridiculous um, and how I had no ability to determine how much time had passed or how long this was going to last I remember seeing Russ laying next to me and I was 100% convinced that was a vision Uh, so (laughs) Russ became my trip sitter uh, or my spirit guide I I thought in the middle of it um, where I was convinced he wasn't real but apparently he really was there according to his own after testimony well part of it was you know I was concerned for you in in the same time it's like a friend of mine, Chuck, Chuck Hickman, talked about that ministry of presence thing. Like, I'm just going to sit in this and be present with Arthur. And you got to keep in mind also that this whole trip-sitting thing, we're out in, we're out in fucking, like, like Whibby Island, like, way out there with spotty internet. <laughs> I got my phone with me. I'm, you know, got farting around with my phone for a while, and that got boring, and, you know, and there's not a lot. And so I'm sitting there, and... and, and, and and I really, but I was, you know, kind of mindful of you guys. But it was a long time. It, it took Hours. a long time. Yeah. It was from morning till till the sun started to come down. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I just remember, you know, I'm going to be present with Arthur. And I laid there because you were, so you had you kind of got into the REM state. And that was another thing I was sort of curious about because I I felt like when I tripped back in the day that I that I had been in a sort of dreamlike state while I was awake. And so I went over there. And sure enough, you're laying there, and your fucking eyes were <laughs> your head like you were like you were sleeping. But then you would look at me for a minute, and then you'd go right back to like this fucking REM state kind of thing. And uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay here with Arthur, and I probably laid there with you for oh, a half hour, forty five minutes or so. And that got me through a <coughs> very challenging portion um, where I was uh, I had. I had left all of the parts of the trip where I was revisiting humanity, my life, and I was in a, I was just in a foreign place. I was yeah. completely gone, and nothing was normal. That was a weird and thing. Your, I felt like I should be in your presence. Just be present. <laughs> and I'm glad room. you did. Um, when you left, um, it was shocking. <laughs> I remember seeing you twice and then looking a third yeah. time and you weren't there. And I have no idea how much time transpired between those three because I had zero sense of time. Um, and I went into a, into a place where I really had to just let go at that point because I'm like, I had no idea where it was, uh, where I was, what was going to happen. And I was so lost that I 
uh, in any sense of myself, like the, the ego death experience was full. My, I had no, I had said goodbye to my family and I had thoughts of, um, as I was entering it, I thought maybe I should like walk off the cliff um, that was not really accessible, but it was there. We were on a big bluff. Um, <laughs> a like that's what I needed to do because I was convinced I was going to die. And I mm. thought early how great it was that you guys were going to be there to witness my death. And I very contently thought my family was going to be fine without me. Like I'd done everything I needed to do, except I was also horrified that that was the end. Yeah. Um, and then later I thought, no, this is just going to go on forever. I'm going to be trapped in this foreign place of wherever I was. Yeah. Um, so it was weird how to go through those stages. But when you left, it, it, was, it was very disorienting. Um, and that's where I really realized, okay, I need to just let go and, and ride this and it will pass. Um, <coughs> it was torturous. I was caught in... Um, fractal loops of, of patterns and colors that would just repeat themselves over and over and over again. And it was um, like a form of, of, of prison or death that was not particularly pleasant, <laughs> for sure. Um, and then it evaporated. And I kind of sat up and I looked around and I'm like, yeah, I'm on the property. <laughs> I am still high as fuck. And... I remember John noticing me and started walking towards me and I stood up and I was 99.9% .9 convinced that the world was about to collapse upon itself and I was going to go back into another loop. And I remember John had this stupid shit-eating grin on his face like <laughs> that he doesn't do <laughs> probably because he's still high to some degree um, and he got done with his trip and uh, apparently a while ago. Um, I think that's when I left you. Is and, I went and to check out John. And, and I remember asking him, like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then I finally came out of it. And, um, and we had steaks. And we, yeah. And, and <laughs> I think I asked over the next 45 minutes what time it was. Probably 10 times. Because yeah. I, I was so... It, it, and it all slowly came back to me of what had happened um, over the course of, well, really days. But a lot of it, most of it came back that day. Um, but it was not readily available to my memory um, immediately. It, it, was, it came back strangely. Um, and then we did a lot of, of post-processing. Um, for me, um, it was so foreign, the takeaway was very different. It was not obvious. And, mm. the, and the effect lasted a long time. I had described to you all for quite some time that I was living with mushroom head um, because my brain did not work the way that it did before that trip or the way it did before my, my <coughs> earlier trip that was much lower uh, dosage. Um, and that was not a bad thing. It was a different thing. I saw the world differently there. A lot of the research is talking about the, the buffering of your mood and, and the way it can deal with depression. I felt incredibly clear-headed and calm and, and things did not bother me. I remember... Like two months later, on the first day where I woke up and actually felt irritable, like I, I was driving in traffic and I got irritated with something somebody did. And the fact that I got irritated was so foreign over the last two months that I immediately recognized it and thought it as odd. Mm. Like I, I examined, like, why is this bothering you today? Um, because the mushroom trip had affected me so profoundly for so long. Um, 
I was left with a sense of nihilism that was very different than John's. Um, to me, the nihilism told me that my, the meaning in my life uh, had been destroyed through a lot of the experiences prior to that, the traumas that I had been talking about. And the nihilism freed me to say, there is no one out there who is qualified to tell me what my life's meaning is going to be. Mm. Nihilism freed matter. me to say, I get to decide what my life's meaning is. And so it was not floundering. It was not despair. It was not, nihilism to me was not bad. It was comforting. Like I was freed from the uh, expectations of society, from the religion I had grown up with, from, uh, and just allowed me to say, no, you, you're 41 years old. Nobody else has figured out this life any better than you have except for themselves. And it freed me to say, they get to figure out what's good for them, and I get to figure out what's good for me. Mm-hmm. And not like in a moral sense, but in a, in a what matters. Yeah. Why, what yeah. I want to do with my life and, and what's important to me. And, and that resonated for a long time. And, and so John and I's discussions were as difficult because his nihilism <laughs> left him not... In that pleasant. Well, it's the same conclusion. Like the atheist gets faith, and then you. No, 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 no. It's the same conclusions. Listen, it's the same. It's the same conclusions, but my reaction's different. Right. Right. right, right, right. Oh, I have all this freedom. Like I get to make. I get to decide. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, reactions. I, reactions to I have all this freedom. I get yeah. to decide. Yeah. So shit. <laughs> you guys both had to put meaning into the meaninglessness. Yeah. And you ended up in different directions. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like despair, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I just want to end with, um, I th- those questions that I asked myself, um, I felt like I got a solid answer that no, I have come to uh, accept and let go of the life experiences that traumatized me, and they are at a place where they are largely healed and not affecting my day-to-day life. Um, and so there was a freeing part of that too, but that took a long time to conclude on the other side. It was not readily apparent day one for sure, because like John was saying, he, this experience is so profound yeah. um, that it takes a lot of time to process. And, and to the degree to which I experienced my ego death and, and, and lived as pure consciousness and experienced that... Um, it was distracting in my regular life. Um, things were hard to do for a while, and um, not that I did them badly or anything, or that I, but it, it was just, it dominates your mind, because I feel like I have, I've experienced a lot of things in my life. I, I, I'm an, kind of an explorer, I, I like to do a lot of things, and I, I had grown a bubble of what is possible um, slowly over the 41 years of my life and then I had that experience and it was so outside of the bubble of what I thought was possible to experience that it it like burst that bubble because it, it, I couldn't wrap I couldn't stretch the bubble of what life is around it you use the word divine in, in your testimony we'll use a religious word there and, and I think yeah. yeah seriously yeah I think that was that was uh, but I think that's interesting um, that touch on the divine because you you enter to a, into a realm of faith. So the divine for me in that is this. The absurdity that we talked about in the nihilism, one of the things that happened in my mushroom trip, and John expressed this a lot too, I, I don't know if Derek agrees with it, I'll let him weigh in in a minute, but everything in my life and everything in human history and our structures, 
our, our religions, our governments, our social movements, um, our posturing, our, our businesses, our jobs, everything seemed so ridiculous and absurd and meaningless. Mm. Like they just seemed like they had so little value in the conscious part of my trip in the early part. Um, they weren't even part of my second half. Uh, but something did remain. Mushrooms destroyed everything but one thing. Mm. Relationships. Mm -hmm. The only things that mattered to me in that state were my family and my friends and the relationships yep. that I valued deeply. Big and they will remained wholly untouched. And I am still to this day perplexed by the question of why does this thing exist on earth that <laughs> leaves me with that one thing where it, it, it destroyed everything I've ever accomplished and told me it was pointless and meaningless. All the skills, all the achievements, all my, you know, corporate rise, all everything about my life, anything that somebody could say, this is what makes Arthur Arthur, or that his life is good, or what he's accomplished, right. all of that got away. Arthur is. And the only yeah. thing that was left was the relationships with the people I cared about. Yeah. And so I was left with this profound thing, this idea, this belief that the only thing that can actually ever ultimately matter to me are the relationships I build. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. That's where that's one of the takeaways that I had from from your guys' testimony, testimony. <laughs> was <Fuck> was uh, <laughs> was no but so I died I actually died once and and people asked me if I had a near death experience right because my heart stopped for two minutes and I don't remember what happened but I do remember it being like coming back from a trip where I had this sense of euphoria for about two weeks, where I didn't really, everything was everything was absurd, everything was was fine, you know, the way the world ticked. What you just said, Arthur, reminded me of a, a study that was done of people in hospice and how they, they just said that, they said that uh, death, um, on their deathbed, the things they valued the most, work, Accomplishments, you know, buying a house, shit like that, were meaningless compared oh, yeah. to well, compared to relationships and time spent with loved ones. Right, you know, oh, sorry, God. That's one of John's loved ones <coughs> calls. It's okay if I land the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Can, can I say something real quick, just briefly? Uh, one of the best quotes I, I heard summarizing the psychedelic experience was something Ellen Watts said. Uh, is it's the psychedelic experience is like waking up and realizing that your grandfather's dead and your father's dead and you look around and ask who's in charge here mm. and I, I think you hear that in Arthur and I's experience where it's like he found freedom in that and I found terror in that you know like yeah I'm in charge I'm like whoa I'm in charge but but both kind of similar takeaways but that was definitely like a concise summary of how it felt and then the other thing I'd say is um, it was a great experience. I'm glad we got to share it. Uh, but I think there's something about, like, maybe going in in small doses would have been a lot of fun. Kind of like your first trip, Arthur, where it's kind of just like a friend. You're hanging out. You're relaxing. It's, it's light. But doing a, a heavier dose, my experience was... Um, I mean, you were so far gone, Arthur, but m maybe Derek had this. I think we've talked about that, Derek, where it's like you kind of encroach on each other a little because it's like I, it, you know, Chuck, you guys, I was always like, 
is Arthur okay? Is Derek okay? I was always like kind of concerned for them, you know, like, are they doing okay? You know? And yeah. So I think that next time I, my preference would be to go at it alone or maybe even to explore it in a therapeutic setting or something, but there's kind of a caution there. If people are listening and, you know, curious about it, um, that's one kind of, I guess, uh, asterisk I put on it is, is consider going alone. If it's, going to be a medium to high dose because yeah it could kind of encroach on it not alone alone not alone alone <laughs> oh yeah yeah not alone alone i, I mean like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no have just a sit in your apartment have, have a sitter no <laughs> you gotta have a, you gotta sitter, have a sitter set in settings maybe sitter. a couple yeah yeah and have them be people you i mean a lot you trust yeah, yeah, absolutely think, yeah my blending the plane i think similar thing like i don't know that i am necessarily advocating for this or yeah. trying to make this an advertisement I'm not more just explaining what happened uh, I do think I might try it again someday uh, but but yeah like it's I I think it's most effective as self-exploration I wouldn't advocate for it just to try something else <laughs> uh and uh, and yeah, and environment is really really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if any of you listening decide to try something like this, be very very careful about. I honestly felt like John didn't feel like we did much preparation, but I feel like like in general it was set up pretty darn well. And yes, the control been... freak thought we didn't control enough. <laughs> right. yeah. You didn't read enough. When I heard there was a bluff, I'm like, oh, fuck no. But then, you know, it's uh, Derek showed, showed me the Blackberry, fence. Dude. Blackberry bushes all over. Yeah, okay. Right. So, but yeah, so we're not trying to advocate for any of this, and especially not in terms of a solution. Uh, uh, just saying what our experiences were. Yeah. yeah. Um, and One of the things that John shared, you shared something on the thread about it being um, some guy who had been on psilocybin and, and tripped and stuff before said he shared an article. Maybe we could share that on the on the website or the Facebook page or whatever. Um, the the best trip that he ever had was EMDR. Oh, uh, best mushroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah best and for mushroom. me, that's my that was my experience too. And even in what you said, where you can't pull the throttle back, I was in an EMDR session, and I won't describe it because it was really dark. But um, I experienced some shit. I saw myself in a really dark place. Um, One of the worst times of my life. And I remember standing up in the EMDR session and dropping the buzzers and going, I don't think I can do this, Susan. I don't think I can do this. She goes, well, okay, we'll take a break. And I I breathed for a while. And she goes, I don't have another person coming in, so I can't leave you here, Mm -hmm. she said. I can't leave you here. So we're going to finish this. If it takes an hour, if it takes an hour and a half, we're going to finish this. And we did. Um, so I, I would advocate for you, but um, landing the plane, Derek. Yeah. Sorry, so I just I, had to I throw that in there. I mean, any of this processing that you're doing it, do it with other people that you love and you have a relationship with and you can trust. Yeah. It's not something that you should be doing alone in your apartment no no and, yeah uh, or look up something <coughs> on the internet right. trips it or picking right, the yeah. trips in dot com. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't do it online do it with someone yeah. who's who means something to twitter you. account and i am and read yeah. michael Pollan's book seriously i am convinced though i guess as as my final word is that um there were some elements that were still very tender 
to the traumas that I had experienced going into this, and they were some of the ones that I was really thinking of and asking the question. And out the other side, they were diffused. And they were not <coughs> things that I engaged consciously during the trip, but I came out the other side where there were some, there are some broken relationships in my life that I have no idea how to heal, and I am, they do not, weigh on me the way that they I, I accept the reality that they are broken and I can't fix them um, and that is very freeing and there is there is a healing element to trauma related to this drug that it is possible to find I'm not going to promise that that's what happens to you but it engages emotional trauma in a way that is like EMDR and, and they, special. Honestly, the takeaway is that they're very powerful. Yeah. Unlike all powerful <laughs> things, they can be used to do really yeah. great work and they can be used to absolutely destroy shit. Yeah. And you just need to keep that in mind. 